You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I realize it has been a while since I posted a podcast. I'm a little bit out of breath right now. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear that. I just did a workout. And I had this like idea to post a podcast like immediately after my workout. So I'm a little bit out of breath because I'm human and I just worked out. I had a really good workout. I'll talk about it later. But I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. September 1st was the last time I posted a podcast. And if you haven't been following me or listening to me lately, it wouldn't have mattered if you would have followed me because you would know that I am staying off social media and I haven't posted anything on Instagram, specifically Instagram. I don't really use Facebook. Um, I often forget I even have it. But Instagram and me have had a contentious relationship and I find myself backing away every time a new semester starts because honestly, I can't be productive I can't focus, I can't do anything to the best of my ability in terms of like schoolwork and personal life when I'm on Instagram all the time. It takes away so much energy and it it's so distracting. And so I have this thing where I, I just take breaks and I haven't I haven't gone on and I don't miss it and my mental health is so much better. I'm productive, I'm focused, like I get stuff done. I can't even begin to explain all of the benefits because so many of them are psychological and I don't even realize until I think, oh, like I've been in a really good mood. I haven't like been depressed or felt anxious in a long time. Sure, there's a bunch of confounding factors. It's not all just tied to social media, but a large portion of it is. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, if you spend a lot of time on social media, you probably find that you are more anxious or maybe just a little bit more edgy, punchy, we'll say, on the days where you spend an excessive amount of time on social media, maybe you're really distracted. You always reach for your phone. You're not as productive and you just kind of waste the day. It's those days, pay attention to your mental health and what it's doing and see if you can make that correlation because we have an abundance of research showing that when we spend excessive amounts of time on social media, our risk for depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues increase. So that's just a little bit of a background. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the podcast, I probably just wouldn't go on at all because life is so much better without it. I'm actually present. I 
call people, I meet up with people, and I'm not like constantly taking in everyone else's opinions of me. People that don't even matter, like no offense, but like these people don't even matter in my life. Matter in someone's life, just not in my life. So a little bit of background there. What else has been going on with me? I applied for grad school. I'm still waiting. I mean, I have my application in way ahead of time, as per usual. Um, Pebbles, my new puppy, is getting along very well. She's been with us about three months. Wynn is not her biggest fan, but she's warming up to the idea. It was a struggle at first because... Winnie had been an only pup for five years, and now all of a sudden there's this new dog who has a completely different temperament, who's super chill, Um, but they're getting along well. She likes walking now, which is wonderful because at first she wouldn't even like nothing, no walking at all. She would just like hunker down and you'd have to like drag her which is not a fun experience. And so I thought, oh my goodness, we're not going to have a dog that walks. Winnie walks like 10 kilometers a day. And I was just really patient and encouraged her. I didn't like push her past her comfort level. And all of a sudden something switched and she just started walking. So thank God for that. We have two pups that love to walk. And that's kind of the most important thing because that, An exercise dog is a happy dog, just like a human being. So what I'm going to be doing a little bit different today is I'm actually going to post, include a podcast that my friend and classmate and myself did for a school project because it's really relevant to my overall podcast, which is situated in the health sphere. It's all about health. But it's looking at weight loss and weight loss maintenance from a family systems theory perspective. So what the assignment called for was to take some concept of interpersonal relationships and attach it to a psychological theory. So the interpersonal relationships is we looked at a study by Spreckley and colleagues that was done in 2022. And you'll hear everything that we have to say looking at the social determinants of weight loss. So that's the interpersonal relationship piece. And then we tied it to the family systems theory perspective, which looks at the family as a system. And if one unit in that system changes, then the whole system changes. So that's a psychological theory. So I hope you enjoy our little discussion. It's 10 minutes long. So it's going to be a little bit of a longer podcast not super long. I mean, longer than my mini sods. But I hope you enjoy it and glean a little bit of insight into why you may or may not find success with weight loss or someone that you know. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. My name is Lena Lahire. And I'm Jessica Almazzi. And today we're going to talk about weight loss and weight loss maintenance through a family systems theory perspective. The prevalence of obesity is increasing worldwide. 
Overweight and obesity have been linked with a variety of comorbidities such as hypertension, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and even several types of cancers. The mechanisms contributing to obesity are interrelated internal and external factors such as biological, psychological, social, and economic. While behavioral interventions that manipulate dietary intake have been shown to be successful in helping people lose weight in the short term, the reality is most people will regain the weight they lost or even regain more. It's important to view weight loss not just through a medicalized or behavioral perspective, but take into consideration how weight loss affects people's social lives and relationships. So this leads me to talk about a study conducted by Spreckley et al. in 2022. The aim of this study was to explore the experiences patients had before they entered a weight loss program and to provide insights into the external and internal consequences individuals encountered. The sample included 21 adult female and male participants with varying ethnicities that all had a BMI between 27.7 and 48.4. Participants were interviewed and asked questions such as, when did weight become an issue issue for you? And what weight management approaches have you tried so far? What was so interesting about this study was the results. They're really fascinating. Participants consistently described feeling unable to manage their weight without social support. The role of social environmental influences was also prevalent with participants as they described both supportive and unsupportive peers. Supportive peers help participants to manage their weight by providing an open, neutral, and non-judgmental space. However, when there was unsupportive peers, it often led to detrimental consequences. Some participants described being made to feel guilty by family members if they didn't finish their meals, while others had parents who were unable to provide healthier food options. And even more, some encountered active resistance when trying to lose weight and were questioned when doing so. Patients also found it difficult to implement change without external support, for example, from family and friends. Social occasions, new relationships, and a lack of prioritization also frequently led to weight regain. So I guess what's interesting here are the social determinants of weight loss and weight loss maintenance. We know that obesity is a global issue, And we know that losing weight reduces the risk of so many diseases. So why would there be a lack of social support for people losing weight when we know it's in their best interest? Well, I think looking at the lack of support people may experience when they're trying to change anything, but in this case, trying to lose weight, can best be explained through a family systems theory perspective, which was introduced by Murray Bowen in the 1970s. So he put forth that the family unit is this complex social system in that family members have the ability to influence each other's behavior in a positive or in a negative way. He goes on to say that people can only be understood in the context of the whole. This means that change in one part of the system will affect the whole system so that no member acts independently. Systems are controlled by homeostasis and morphogenesis. Homeostasis meaning that the system's status quo is maintained and morphogenesis meaning how the system embraces change. In a functional system, continuity and transformation are in balance. But in a dysfunctional system, there is a striving for homeostasis and a strong resistance to change. So the takeaway message from family systems theory is that patterns of interaction between family members can maintain or perpetuate problematic or non-problematic behaviors. 
So how does this pertain to weight loss? When one family member changes, the whole system changes, for better or for worse, depending on whose perspective you take. If a partner loses weight while the other one doesn't, this could result in conflict and a lack of social support, which is what we saw with participants in the Spreckley study. Partners who have not lost weight may feel threatened or unwilling to change and may even sabotage the partner's the partner who has lost weight in order to regain homeostasis. So essentially, family system theory suggests that one person's weight loss or gain will affect the whole family. Many people think that weight loss will result in looking better, feeling better, and improve their relationships. However, this may not always be the case for everyone. We have to take into consideration the pros and cons of weight loss on relationships. If families are resistant to change, the person trying to lose weight is going to struggle and will most likely regain that weight that was lost. That's a really interesting point and something that I think we definitely need to highlight because there's very few studies looking at the social determinants of weight loss. Most are focused on behavioral interventions. They might look at some social aspects, but there's no studies as far as I know that are just focused on how our social lives impact our ability to lose weight or maintain that weight loss. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, if people go in, just like you said, they think it's going to improve their relationships, But if you have a family or partners or systems that are resistant to change, the odds are going to be stacked against you and it's going to be really difficult to maintain that weight loss. Right. And it goes to show that we're looking at weight loss from this one perspective. And when we really look at life and how life works, nothing really happens in isolation. We need our social support systems and family to really be successful in whatever endeavors we take. So more research needs to really be focused on what are the social determinants that um, are coming into play when it comes to losing weight and what can we do and what best practices can we create to really help people and their families be supportive in this journey that they embark on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing, nothing happens in isolation. And I really do think that weight loss, looking through this perspective, can answer a lot of questions as to why some people are successful with weight loss and why some people aren't. And it would be really interesting to see some studies looking at people or even like couples who were in a supportive relationship or in supportive families to see how their weight was affected into going into a weight loss intervention plan. Yeah, and what this is highlighting is that Weight loss is such a nuanced area. We're made to believe it's all about behavior modification, calories in, calories out, eat less, exercise more, and we're still struggling as a society. What we are really missing is looking at our social interactions and how our social units play such an important role in the success or failure of weight loss. That's so true. And from a family systems perspective and looking at that, notion of weight loss and nothing happening in isolation well weight loss doesn't happen in a vacuum and what family systems theory is saying when one unit changes the whole unit changes if the whole family system isn't on board it's not going to work or it's not going to work long term or there's going to be a lot of struggle and so families need to know this going in that when they want to embark on a weight loss journey, that it's going to change the system. And if the family isn't able to adapt to that change, 
it's going to be really, really hard for them to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Okay. Just a little recap. We first started the podcast by talking about how overweight and obesity are a global issue and that despite our best efforts, we're still struggling. We talked about how there are multiple contributors to obesity and how the majority of the research has focused on behavioral interventions. That led us to talk about the Spreckley et al. study. And for those of you who are interested, it's called Patient Insights into the Experience of Trying to Achieve Weight Loss and Future Expectations Upon Commencement of a Primary Care-Led Weight Management Intervention, a Qualitative Baseline Exploration. We then applied that study to Bowen's family systems theory, which looks at the family as a system. And each family member comprises of a unit of that system in that if one part of that system changes, one unit, one family member, the entire system changes. We talked about the implications of this for weight loss and that if one person loses or gains weight, it affects the entire system. And so the whole family really needs to be on board for individuals to find success with weight loss. So I hope you enjoyed our discussion on this really nuanced area of weight loss and weight loss maintenance and realize that the social aspects of our lives may just be the missing ingredient we need to be successful. Okay, so that was our little assignment. And I got so much insight out of first reading the study, which is awesome. I encourage you to go and read it. I also realized that many people don't have access to these journals. And if that's the case, reach out to me and I will email you the study personally because it's important that everyone has access to these articles. It's one thing that is a huge bugbear for me um, that the general public, like we're putting out all of these, all of this health information or, you know, studies, and yet only academics and people in the health sphere have access to it. It doesn't sit well with me. However, I understand why people do it because to create a journal, to create an article for a journal and to put it as open access takes about $3,000. It costs about $3,000. I am in the process of publishing an article. My colleagues and I looked at readiness to practice in healthcare and um, I was made first author. So that's very exciting. And we sent it in, we submitted it to the Journal of Continuing Education in Nursing and it was accepted. So it's in review and response. Um, So that's, yeah, really exciting. I will also, when it is published, let you guys know, and hopefully it will be open access. But like I said, it costs money to have your article as open access. But I thought it was really interesting to look at weight loss from this perspective. And it could help explain why it's so difficult for people to lose weight and keep it off because we think that weight loss 
is a matter of calories in, calories out, how much physical activity you do, even maybe like looking at how much sleep you get or, you know, all of these other physiological factors. And yet we don't realize that our social environment plays a key role and everything is connected. And so if you're a part of this system, and it doesn't even have to be like a family, maybe it's just like a system that doesn't support your efforts. Maybe it's your work environment and you don't have people on board with you. When the odds are stacked against you, it's going to be harder to maintain because anytime we change something, it has a knock-on effect on something else. Nothing happens in isolation. And that's the point that we were trying to make is that if you lose weight, okay, let's say you're a mom, you're a wife, you lose weight, that has an effect on your children, your husband, you, and any other person or system that you interact with. So maybe that means you start to cook differently. And maybe your husband and your children don't like how you're cooking differently. Or maybe they do. Hopefully it's a supportive environment, but you're always going to come up against some kind of tension when you change something. Or maybe you and your husband went to this restaurant every week and that was just a thing that you did. And in order to lose weight, that had to change And so that dynamic changed. And if you didn't replace it with something else or something, you know, different, then it could cause some conflict. So anytime someone changes, it changes other people's behaviors and patterns. And depending on how those other people view those changes, it can either help or hinder your progress. Now, I'm glad that we actually have studies starting to support this because for the longest time, it's just been anecdote. And there's nothing wrong with anecdotes, but you can't generalize it to a whole population. But I've seen this time and time again, not only with clients, but with myself as well. There was a time where I, I mean, there was a lot going on. There's so many compounds, but I was thrashing my body with exercise. Like I was in the gym legit two hours a day. Um, I was bulimic. So I was, you know, really messing with my metabolism. Um, And then the intense workouts, again, uh, really messing with my metabolism. But I couldn't lose weight. Like my body composition was not what I wanted it to be, despite doing absolutely everything that I possibly could. At that time, I was also single. And I realized I started to make connections really early on that every time I'm in a relationship, my relationship with food changes. So if I'm dating or, you know, I'm having these interactions, I don't turn to food because when you're bulimic, you binge and you purge. So I realized that I don't binge or feel the need to binge when I'm in a relationship. I never connected it to, oh, wow, I'm feeling lonely. There's something missing in my life. But when I met K, 
Kevin, things started to change. I also studied eating psychology. I realized that the workouts that I was doing were not helping my body. That's when I started walking. I started teaching bar and my whole kind of workout mentality changed to, I got to do two hours a day, tons of cardio, you know, as much weightlifting as I possibly could to like go for walks. And I do like a half an hour workout and my body started to change. And while you could say, oh, well, your workouts changed. Yes, they did. My eating patterns also changed. I didn't feel the need to binge. I, I stopped purging. So my bulimia went into remission. It still took a long time for my metabolism to come back from that. But I also had love and support and someone there who cared for me, where I didn't have that for a long time. And my body was in this fight or flight mode for a long, long time. And when I had that social support and I felt safe with someone, my body was able to let go. And I could tap out of that stress response and into a place where my body could properly digest, assimilate nutrients, where I didn't have all of these stress hormones constantly flooding my body because I finally felt safe. And that's just an anecdote. My body changed like within, I can't, I can't remember how long it took because I didn't weigh myself for a long time because it wasn't good for my mental health to weigh myself. But at my heaviest, I was at 210 pounds and when I weighed myself I was like you know four years later three years later however long it was I was 167 pounds I hate to put out weight I'm six foot one I have muscle weight it it doesn't matter but the point is I'd lost like 50 pounds and I didn't even try and it was all because the environment around me changed I no longer had to struggle. I was no longer alone. Yes, I changed the way that I ate, but it wasn't a conscious choice. It was, I started eating dinner with someone. I started to have, you know, better groceries because I could afford them because there was another income. I started to just feel good about food. I stopped binging. I stopped purging. I stopped thrashing my body because I had someone that loved me. I didn't have to punish myself I started to love me so the environment changed the way that I thought about myself and I'm so happy that we're having these studies to show that support is needed it's vital for us to find success with health I have seen this time and time again where I have one person in a family who wants to change But the family, the rest of the family is not on board. And eventually, that other person slips back and they don't change. Their progress is not long lasting. And that is such a shame. And if we understand how important the social aspect of our health is, maybe it could answer some questions. Or maybe when you when you embark on a weight loss journey or any kind of journey, maybe you have to realize that you need to get that social support in order before you do that. 
or to be aware if you don't have it, that that could be thwarting your progress and then to make other ways to get that social support, create other ways to get that social support. So I thought, I thought this study and this conversation was so interesting. We've had lots of personal experiences with this. I think any trainer could, you know, justify or validate the findings of this study and say, yeah, I've had lots of clients um, that have found great success because they had greater social support or I've had lots of clients that haven't found success because they haven't had the social support. Again, these have all been anecdotes. It doesn't mean that they're not valid, but now we're starting to see studies to show this. So I'm really happy about it really excited about it. I think it answers a lot of questions and I think it gives us something to focus on moving forward because we're still struggling with overweight and obesity. So we have to ask ourselves why. So I hope you enjoyed this little episode and I would love to hear your feedback. I hope you gained some better insight into your own life and took some tidbits of knowledge out of it. So that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.